Greetings, cyberspace, and welcome to episode 57 of the Double Density Podcast. Double Density, home to a perfect mix of tech tales and paranormal primers. Now, Angela, first things first, how are you? It feels like an eternity since we've last spoken, even though it's only been a week. It's actually less than a week, Brian, and you stuck with the uh, new intro. Cool. Would you prefer new intro or happy new year? Because I've been thinking about bringing new back intro, happy new year. New intro is fine. Okay. <laughs> You're doubling down the new intro, right? Yeah, okay, totally perfect. fine with that. No more happy new year. So right off the bat, though, I do have to say that um, I've been away for most of the week. So you've kind of been like uh, guiding the good ship double density in terms of content uh, for this episode. So I'm kind of excited to talk about some of the things that you've uh, added to our rundown. Uh, first things first, you, you were good. You never answered that question. We're well here. Oh, yeah, it's true, because we said, uh, you, it's twice you say first things first, so it's not second things second. I know, second. I'm, I'm prompting you. So okay. second things second, third. Okay, so let's go to third things third. Uh, how are you actually doing? I'm doing well, I think. Uh, I had a bit of trouble getting onto Skype just now because of something we're going to talk about uh, for the vast majority of the tech part of this episode. Well, why don't we get into it now? Like You're very frustrated, and it's, it's almost palpable, so I'm, I want to hear this right off the bat. Okay, well, I've learned the lesson. Um, when somebody usually offers tech support for most people for most software-based issues, now anything hardware-based, I don't really touch, but most software stuff, I, I'd like to think of myself as being well-versed and able to kind of figure things out on his own. And, um, I was having an issue with my iCloud keychain, as we've mentioned, that's my password manager, right? Well, my Mac and my iOS devices were in syncing. So I would save a password on my Mac and it wouldn't go to my iOS devices and vice versa. I noticed this a few weeks ago when we um, we booked an Airbnb for the summer and uh, I added a password. So, but we as in your family, not like you and I, like, let's get this out of the way. Like we're not that uh, deep into our friendship where we're like, we're taking weekends and weeks away together. No, no. So this is for uh, my family's trip. We're going to stay in Boston for a few days. And uh, we scheduled an Airbnb, so I had to add a password, which I added on my phone. And when I got home, it wasn't on my Mac, so that's when I noticed it hadn't been syncing for at least a few weeks. No big deal. I did all the Apple troubleshooting, and it didn't work. Now, the ultimate troubleshooting for anything iCloud is to sign in and out of iCloud. But that is, uh, I'd like to say it's a bag of hurt. I don't know if you've ever had to do that. Have you ever had to log in and out of it? I've never, I don't have, I currently use a plethora of different passwords, which are a pain in the butt to uh, remember. So I don't actually use a password saving uh, app. No, but not just the password saving app. I'm talking about your entire Apple ID. Yeah, I've had to log out and into in order to like kickstart things, I guess would be the best way of putting it. Yeah, that, that's exactly what you're doing. The thing is, is, I use iCloud for a lot of things. And you can guess which is the biggest deal with iCloud. Your photos. Exactly. And I'm not a typical iCloud photo user. Um, when they ask you to log in and out of iCloud, what happens, especially on a Mac, is that it re-uploads everything and then indexes it. So it's there's this weird thing where it thinks it's uploading, but it's not uploading. And that can cause other issues, which I'll get to. You'll see. I was trying to prevent that as much as possible. And I kind of complained about this on Twitter. And um, I had included the uh, Apple support Twitter handle. And they actually promptly replied to me and said, hey, let's talk about this in DMs. So I said, okay, let's see what happens. And they ran me through the troubleshooting, which I said, well, I've tried all this. And they said, okay, we'll have a specialist call you. And they set up an appointment. How do you think that went, Brian? Uh, I want to say not well. I'm going to just, I'm going to go with something negative. Okay. The experience itself 
with the customer support, the person I spoke to, how much they seemed to really be interested in trying to help me out was excellent. Like top notch. So Apple enthusiasm right there and then. Yeah, they were like, you know what, they they did what they're supposed to do. I, I have Apple Care. I've paid for it on this Mac. And they were really, they really covered their bases with that. They're, they know what they're doing in terms of how to be nice to customers. Okay. In terms of dealing with customers who kind of know what they're talking about, though, but are trying not to be too much of a smart aleck, it's kind of hard because everything she offered to do, I had done. And then when we got to the more, uh, let's say, invasive troubleshooting, I was hesitant, to say the least. And why is that? Well, the first thing she said was to go into my um, keychain access. That's something all Macs have, whether you use iCloud Keychain or not. Your Mac has a way of storing its own passwords. Everything is set in there, including your login, right? So all that stuff is set with that, and it takes care of what, what you're authorizing, what you're not authorizing. She's like, okay, well, let's delete that and reset it. I'm like, well, I don't want to do that. That's not a good, like, that's good. I know that's going to cause a lot of problems. She's like, no, no, let's try it. Okay, let's try it. Should be fine, she says. But I knew as soon as I reset it that it was going to not be fine. So then I got all, all pop-ups saying, you have to enter your password again. And this is why we had trouble connecting on Skype, because it logged me out of Skype. And when I logged into Skype, uh, I used, I guess, I guess I have another Microsoft account. I don't know. I used this other Microsoft account and you weren't there. I felt all alone. <laughs> well, because you text me and you're like, hey, I'm online. And you spelt it the old man way on space line. Yeah. Sorry about that. I guess I wasn't online. And then I realized, let me check if I have another Skype account. And I do. So I used my uh, my public one that I have for uh, for podcasting and stuff. So that's what I used. And there you were. So everything was fine there. But just to say, it logged me out of everything. I had to re-log into all my accounts and it was pretty annoying. But that's not the worst part. What is the worst part? Well, then she's like, okay, now we're going to turn log out of iCloud and log back in. And I knew that was going to be bad. So we did it. Logged back out. Logged back in. Guess what? Keychain started working again. Started syncing. That got fixed. But? My photo library got like demolished. Really? It's all safe and sound in iCloud. Like, I didn't lose any photos. You also have, like, your offline, like, hidden uh, hard drive at work, right? Yeah, those are all fine. Like, everything, my photos are all intact. The convenience of it, though, got screwed. Uh, Meaning that I have, I'm not a typical uh, photo user in that I have all my photo libraries on an external drive. The system library, which is what syncs to iCloud photo library. And I guess logging both out of my keychain and my iCloud account messed something up in that when I started it back up, it could not recognize it as the system library, meaning that it wouldn't be backing up to iCloud anymore. The other thing, because I have 135 gigabytes and only 200 gigabytes of iCloud storage, I don't know why Apple does it this way or what they're actually doing or what's wrong in the background, but it thought I was uploading a whole 130 other gigabytes. So I was forced to upgrade to the two terabyte plan. So this was like after you were on the phone. I was on the phone. I'm like, okay, now it's telling me I'm blocked. I, I ran out of iCloud storage. Why are, why are you doing this? She's like, oh, you have to upgrade to two terabytes. So she, she basically upsold you. Yes, but they re, they, they're like, we'll refund you after. So put it up to two terabytes. But then... Like I said, it wasn't recognized as a system library. So I actually had to delete my entire photo library from that hard drive and start back over 
by downloading 130 gigabytes of photos. <sighs> this is your personal hell. I was not happy at all. She even heard me. Like I was kind of breathing heavy, I guess. I was like, <sighs> I was doing one of those. And I was very polite with her. And she said it was a very nice working with me. And she was very nice and understanding. And she really wanted to get this problem solved. Like that, I will hand it to her. She was really nice, very helpful. Um, but the troubleshooting that for most people wouldn't cause these problems caused a whole lot of problems for me because most people don't have 130 gigabytes of photos. Most people, their photo library is on their Mac, not on an external drive. So all right, most people aren't insane. Yes, continue. Those problems would not have happened in most troubleshooting scenarios, but in mine, it was a disaster. Um, now I didn't lose anything, so that's good. But I've heard of other. Um, tech podcasters have this type of issue where they've had to do something with their iCloud photo library and they have lots of photos and it tries to re-upload it. And I heard of people having to upgrade to the two terabytes as well and then downgrade after, which I did the next day. Although I still haven't got my refund, which I'm going to have to check in with them about that, which I'm finding odd, but hopefully I'll get the refund because they charged me twice. They charged me for the two terabytes and then they charged me again for the, for the 200 that I read. Right. So hopefully I get my, like it's Apple. So I'm not really too worried about them not refunding me because they're, uh, anytime I've had, needed a refund, they've refunded me in spots where even they shouldn't have in terms of their policies. Right. Uh, for example, I, I remember a few years ago, I bought Aperture. Uh, I don't know if you remember the photo program Aperture. Yep. And they discontinued it 10 days after I bought it. What an ideal time to purchase. Yeah, exactly. So I said, look, you guys just discontinued it. I just spent like 80 bucks on this or whatever it cost. Uh, I don't want to be using it if it's going to be not supported anymore. Like, no problem. Here's the refund. And they never actually deauthorized the app, so I could have kept kept on using it if I wanted to. But did you? No, I didn't. I wasn't. Well, why not? Because they were going to stop using it. And there's no point to keep using an app that's not going to get used, that's not going to get updated through to other OSs. Well, yeah, no, I mean, I, I'm more of the school of thought that you use uh, an app or, you know, um, a program, as we used to call them, until the wheels fell off. I know, uh, looking at the version of GarageBand you're using, yeah, <laughs> which is actually better than the current version uh, of GarageBand in terms of podcasting. There's a lot of really good features in the new version of GarageBand, but for what you use GarageBand, I think your version is actually better. I think so, too. I definitely do think that it's a lot, a lot better than that. Um, so two questions for you. Firstly, how long was this phone call? Over an hour. Okay. An hour and then more follow-ups the day after. It's like a doctor's okay. appointment. She followed up with me. She was, that, that's, what, that, that's the thing. She was great with that. She kept in touch with me by email. Uh, she contacted me. Although a few times there were a few weird things that happened. For example, uh, I said, okay, well, call me the next day at 10 a.m. I was home. It was a, I had a day off. And uh, it was a Saturday. So yes, I, um, I obviously have a day off on a Saturday. And she says, okay, sorry about that, Mike. I, I couldn't reach you. I'm like, who's Mike? <laughs> Who is Mike? Uh, yeah. Is that your secret Apple name? Uh, no, it's not. And uh, she couldn't reach me. I don't know if she was trying to call a different person. And I sent her my phone number. And then she said, sorry about that. I made a mistake uh, in the name. But no, uh, you weren't answering your phone. I said, no, you didn't call me. She tried again, didn't call. And then after it finally got through. I don't know what was wrong with the Apple lines that day. Something was not working. But yeah, lesson learned, Brian. Software tech support, do it myself. Hardware tech support, go to Apple. Okay, so this is my second and more important question. How, uh, how has your uh, confidence in Apple been shaken by this experience? Well, my confidence in Apple in the last year or two is not like a secret. I find with what they've been doing in terms of especially their hardware for their laptops, I've not been impressed. 
Uh, other stuff, super impressive. AirPods, best product they've ever made. Uh, my iPad Pro, fantastic. My iMac, still going well. Uh, everything seems to be working fine. But certain things makes me wonder what's going on there. There seems to be almost like a a decline in the lack of focus that they've always had. I kind of yearn for the days of like the quadrant with the pro laptop, pro desktop, consumer laptop, consumer desktop, but then we wouldn't have an iPhone and stuff. So it's a totally different company, obviously. But you feel uh, overall still kind of a pro product, et cetera, pro services. This is the problem. Uh, There's nowhere else to go, in my opinion, for the way I use computers. Uh, Like I can't, Picture myself doing this podcast on a on a PC. I know we have friends that podcast using their PCs and they do a great job. It's just for the way I work, I can't see myself using anything other than Logic, other than Audio Hijack to record Skype. Do you, can you use Skype on Windows, Brian? <laughs> <laughs> oh, how far we've fallen down the Apple hole here yeah, no, on but, double density. No, but seriously, like I, it's just for the way I work. Uh, but do you feel like you're saying that because you 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 can't envision yourself doing it, or do you say that because like it's just easier because of your setup now? It's easier because I feel of like my were you now. forced to like use a Windows environment to do some of this media stuff? It wouldn't be that bad. Like I've done it before, and it's it's not the greatest but i mean you know it's it's more than serviceable 100 percent agree with you like i'd be totally fine if i instead of logic i had to use like audition i guess would be the logical choice no pun intended yeah or if you're making beats you could use fl studios uh for podcasting brian i'm not making beats while we podcast well not yet maybe well i have a plan for another episode but we'll talk about that offline (laughs) okay great Um, but yeah, I, I think that like overall, you could be able to uh, use a Windows uh, environment just just fine for this. My my issue is is that for so let's say looking at what I have, I have a five K screen. When I bought my iMac, to get the same screen on a PC, twenty seven inch five K monitor, and everything you would need for a PC, it would have been double the price of this iMac at that time. This type of setup was actually Apple being cheaper than the same version on a PC, if you know what I right. mean. No, no, I do, yeah. Like the hardware itself, yes, would be cheaper. So like a, a PC with what my iMac has in it would always be cheaper because it's they don't have to cram it into this little svelte, tiny silver thing. But for the screen itself, I think Dell was the, the cheapest 5K monitor. It was two grand. Right. So at the, at the time. Now, if you want to buy a similar setup, I think it's cheaper to buy a PC with a 5K monitor. Okay, fair enough. So last week, episode 56, we talked about no Apple. And this week, episode 57, we lead off with about uh, 16 or 17 minutes of Apple content right here. Yeah, sounds about right. (laughs) Um, So the reason that you were guiding the ship uh, for most of last week is that I uh, was in New York City for a couple of days. And it was both a really interesting and a really terrifying time. So let me explain the interesting part, right? So I visited the uh, Nintendo store. Uh, in Manhattan Ooh. and had a great time. There's a lot of apparel there. They had exclusive uh, Nintendo New York t-shirts. They had a bunch of Amiibos and they also had some super Nintendo classics. So of course I picked up a nice classic for actually cheaper um, than uh, the price here in Quebec would be. I guess because of the exchange and lower taxes. 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So even with all that, I still managed to save a little bit of cash on my SNES Classic, which I um, plugged in last night upon getting home. And uh, just to make sure that everything was working properly, maybe got in some little mirror carts. Um, but that's neither here nor there. But yeah, so uh, it was very, very exciting. Um, but also terrifying because uh, in the middle of the night um, from Saturday, from Friday night to Saturday, my phone started blowing up around like quarter to five, let's say. And it was a series of emails. Not blowing said, up like a Samsung uh, Galaxy Note. 7. No, not literally. Just, okay. you know, the colloquial version of like my phone was active. Okay. Uh, so I, around 630, I'm noticing a bunch of like notifications. So I pick up my phone and the first email uh, that I see is a string of them. It says, welcome to GoFundMe. And the second <laughs> one says, uh, thank you for donating $100 to someone's legal fund. And I was super confused and sort of. Um, you know, that thing when you wake up and you go from like zero to a hundred all of a sudden because yes. you need to, yes. uh, that is exactly what happened to oh. me because I was like, who hacked my account? Who's been donating? What kind of cash? Uh, like who's got my credit card? Like, and so like I was going through all the motions in that. And then I'd realized that, um, my email address that's tied or rather the email address that's tied to the GoFundMe messages is not the email address that I use for my other online transactions. Uh, so I quickly realized it was one of these other dastardly Brian hasties in the world, probably the Australian one, because this is an Australian's legal fund. Uh, so this man uh, in the middle of his day was like donating money and leaving an email, an email address that was like red, um, as mine. So I was like getting all these notifications. And now for the past two days, every time this guy has updated his GoFundMe and I need to unsubscribe in a sec, um, I'll do this after the episode, but I kind of wanted to see where it was going because he sent in like eight or nine updates, um, about his campaign. There's a, there's a British Brian Hasty as well, who seems to be like a sort of deadbeat dad, right? Not a deadbeat dad, but a dad who doesn't necessarily seem to be um, really good at understanding his son's needs and also might be visiting a brothel. We're not sure. Um, based on the coupon I got a couple of years ago that entitled me to 50 free dollars to my next visit in the uh, at this London brothel. Right. Uh, and so um, in this instance, I was like, you know what? Let me go look up this Brian Hasty. And I haven't found the right one, I don't think yet. So I'm going to continue searching for an email address so I can be like, hey, just to let you know. Uh, stop doing these things. And also, if the UK Brian Hasty is listening, uh, be faithful to your wife, pay your electricity bill, and uh, talk to your son's uh, friends, um, uh, parents when they email you, uh, because that's super important to do. I, I just I like stories like these because they make me laugh. And I I get a lot of stuff, but because my name is so Italian, I get a lot of stuff in Italian. So you know that no one no one is like sort of like jacking your style. I did get something from Adobe this morning really really well done phishing that even fooled gmail because it said this is your code if you have not requested one click here right now they would <laughs> never put that but no. the email address was adobe it was like adobe support at adobe.com it was really well done um, but now just checking the email address isn't enough right you just kind of like they're so well done these phishing uh, attempts that everything's spelled right Everything seems to be in its right place. But the thing that tipped me off is that there's no way that Twitter or Adobe or Apple or whoever sends you a, a two-factor authentication code would ever say, if it's not you, click here. There's no reason for them. I think I've seen that once or twice in like legitimate uses. I'll have to dig up some emails, but I'm, I'm pretty sure it, it exists. Yeah. I've, I remember specifically, I'm trying to think what product or service I was using, but like if, the, if, you, if you receive this email and error, this is not you, please click here. I don't know about that, but maybe, maybe I'm wrong. But um, 
I didn't what click. you need to do though is go into like incognito mode and then open that up. Yeah, I guess. Uh, I don't have any Adobe accounts, so I knew it wasn't me. I didn't click on it, uh, so I didn't really care. So on the one end of the spectrum, we have Freddie McFraderson afraid to click on links. On the other, you have a man Googling his own name over and over trying to find uh, a version of himself who is, you know, signing up for GoFundMes uh, for a man's legal battle. Um, and I'm not really sure. Like, so I was reading a bit about this and it's like this scientist who got fired from a school in Australia. And I'm not, I'm not quite sure of the content, but he, in his newest update, uh, big up to Breitbart news for featuring his story. So I'm not sure that I want to dive deep into this. Yeah. That's not a good, good place to go. So yeah, I'm on the, I'm on the lookout for this guy. If anyone knows any Australian Brian Hasties, um, please let me know. I will follow up with him promptly and we will discuss all of the different things that he shouldn't be doing with my email address. Welcome back to Double Density. And uh, we'd be remiss if not ta- if we didn't talk about the topic du jour, right, Angelo? So the newest viral sensation out there that has swept the world en masse uh, over the last couple of days. And it is, of course... Laurel. Laurel. Yammy. <laughs> Yammy. Because <laughs> that's what it sounds like to me when I hear, when I'm able to like manipulate the stuff and bring it down to, to say Yanny, as it's supposed to say. Um, yeah. But I only hear Laurel. What do you hear? So... I, I hear Laurel. So the fiance and I both hear Laurel. So I, I actually have not had my kids listen to it yet. I kept wanting to do that. And then we kept getting distracted by other things. I did see uh, our good friend, Rick Beato, who we seem to talk about pretty often on this show. Um, <laughs> he had his kids listen to it. His kids are uh, quite musically inclined. Like we've said, his son, uh, Dylan, at eight years old, has like like extremely perfect pitch. And his kids actually heard both at the same time. I can see how there's a case that could be made for both. And I've, um, we'll link to an article by The Verge in the, uh, the show notes where uh, s- they've quoted a tweet where someone has gone in and sort of like done a lot of EQing. Um, so starting from like a really um, thin sound to a really full sound. And you can hear the transformation from uh, Yanny to Laurel very, very easily in those. Yeah. When I was listening to another podcast where they were playing it, I don't know what they were playing it through, how, uh, how they had EQed it, but I kept hearing Yanny at that point and they all kept saying hearing your uh laurel yorl <laughs> the, the eastern european version of laurel yorl yeah so um first there was the dress a couple of years ago like what is the color and now we've kind of moved into an auditory version of that and i kind of like this one more than the dress the dress seemed to really cause people to get upset i know that i saw a blue dress and my wife freaked out on me she's like what do you mean it's a blue it's a blue dress it's obviously gold the saddest case of divorce court of all time. Yeah. Wasn't that blue gold dress thing going on at the same time that Llama escaped from the zoo? <laughs> what? Don't you remember that story? There was like no, a very weird vaguely. thing where a Llama, they followed this Llama all day long. And then there was the blue gold dress. People were saying this is distractions from other stuff. Oh, yeah. Okay. So February 2015. Yeah. This, uh, this lines up. This lines up with the gold dress. Yep. Right. Okay, I'm not yep. crazy. Okay, good. I didn't just dream it. Two llamas from a zoo in Arizona, according to the Washington Post. Yeah, so there we go. See? So that was a weird distraction. But uh, yeah, I, I like the Yanni Laurel thing more. It was kind of fun. Uh, it's silly, though. It's just the computer voice. That's, when you see the, the secret sauce behind it, it kind of gets kind of dumb. 
Yeah. No, what I also really like is that it brings um, a lot of attention to um, how we listen to things and how we sort of uh, uh, digest information. And one of the really interesting things is that a lot of um, people who were not necessarily audiologists, but people who um, specialize in sort of these kinds of things in linguistics were saying that there's a lot of noise in the file, which I agree with, making it really hard to really get a clear feel of what's actually going on. Yeah, it seems if, if we put out our podcast, something like that, no one would ever want to listen. Well, I think one person would listen, just, you know, uh, like hate listen. Like we discussed how we have like hate listeners once in a while. I feel like that would be the case. Just listening to staticky, horribly sounding voices. Actually, static doesn't bother me too much if I'm listening to a podcast, especially if somebody has a guest over Skype where they can't get a microphone in with them. What drives me crazy is when somebody's way higher than the other person and I have to keep adjusting my um, my volume or... Please, no one, if you're listening to this podcast and you have a podcast, never separate hosts between left and right channels. What happens then, Angelo? Uh, Everyone goes crazy. Good evening, everybody, or morning or afternoon or whatever. It doesn't matter. We are Graveyard Tales. Now, if you like ghost stories, hauntings, cryptid encounters, and the weird history behind them, then you should join us in the graveyard. You can find us on any of your favorite podcast providers. Check out our website at graveyardpodcast.com and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter at GRV. Uh, just go search Graveyard Tales. That would be easier. Now, we hope to see you in the graveyard. Welcome back to Double Density. As always, we are switching gears from tech to the paranormal. So we're going to start things off with, um, before we get into the the meat and potatoes of the episode, I want to sort of like talk about something super quick that's also super local to us here in Montreal. So um, the CBC just put out a story uh, recently, uh, and the title is, A Group Affected by CIA Brainwashing Experiments Wants Public Apology Compensation from government. So around 40-ish people joined up in Montreal around May 20th to talk about suing the Canadian government. And these people were MK Ultra um what participants, I guess would be the best way of putting it, right? So they were Yeah, um, I guess people. they were participants. Not will were they willing participants? Some of them were they signed up for this. Okay, because some of the story with MK Ultra is that they weren't willing, right? They were just kind of coaxed into it or just drugged without being told. Yeah, so I mean, there is like a nefarious element to it, right? And so um, MKUltra was a CIA operation that spanned uh, almost two decades worth of time, officially probably longer than that from the 50s to the 70s. And uh, one component was that um, the Allen Institute here in Montreal was complicit in a lot of the uh, experimentation that went on uh, inside of MKUltra. Is the Allen Institute still open? So the Allen Institute still is open. It's under the uh, wing of the Department of Psychology at McGill University here in Montreal. So something to keep in mind. It still is in operation. So uh, the group of 40-ish people and their families right, are calling themselves the Survivors Allied Against Government Abuse, or SAGA, uh, includes both the victims and family members. And I'm reading from uh, the CBC article of people who were unwilling or participants in brainwashing experiments conducted under the supervision of Dr. Ewan Cameron, director of Psychiatric Hospital between 1943 and 1964. So Cameron co-founder of the world psychiatric association and president of various other psychiatric associations over his career ran quote unquote depatterning and psychic driving unquote experiments that attempted to erase a patient's memories and reprogram them with new insights he tested experimental drugs like lsd and pcp medically induced sleep for extended periods and oversaw extreme forms of electroshock therapy and sensory deprivation many of his patients brains were then left damaged 
So uh, not only that, but uh, apparently a lot of the um, current interrogation and torture methods uh, used by a lot of branches of uh, the U.S. military um, sort of have their basis in a lot of these experiments and their conclusions. I wonder if this was his initial plan. I guess he was in part given some money from the CIA and other agencies to do these tests. So maybe that was their ultimate goal. Right. He got a lot of money from the Canadian government as well, though. Well, and that's the whole thing, right? So a lot of these um, people who are Canadians are want to sue the federal Canadian government because they gave uh, $500,000, um, I guess, matched or exceeded funds from the CIA too, but they gave a substantial amount of, of money uh, in order to help conduct these experiments. And so a lot of um, former patients want um, some form of restitution for what they went through. And the whole thing started off because um, compensation had been given to one victim and their family. And uh, so that's sort of... Uh, came to the notice of CBC reporters and sort of started the snowball effect of all of these other survivors meeting up because they said, Hey, if one, if there's a precedent now, if one of these uh, victims uh, claimed restitution, got some money, then, you know, perhaps we should look at launching a class action against the government for this. And did they put a lot of money? Cause that's uh, 500,000 between 1950 and 1965. That's $4 million in today's money. It's no small amount of money, right? Especially for the kind of experiments that were conducted on people, right? And a lot of them weren't told the nature of the experiments. And so, I, and you know, like MKUltra is this like very messy web of like really devious, um, proto-torturous uh, methods of learning how people's brains work. Yeah, and there's a there's some really sad stories in there too. There's a story of uh, four children that got, they're the ones that got compensated, I believe. Their mother basically went insane and they were left alone. Right. And I mean, one of the, you know, the biggest names to come out of that, unfortunately, is uh, Ted Kaczynski, right? The Unabomber. Really? I didn't know this. Yeah. He, uh, when he was at, in university, yeah, he was experimented upon. Huh. Yeah. So he, I believe he went to Harvard, but yeah, he uh, ended up coming out of there uh, different than when he came in. Evidently, uh, he went insane. I saw that on Unsolved Mysteries, like everything else. <laughs> so that's your point of like your so let me explain i have a question for you uh vis-a-vis uh unsolved mysteries okay. so you grew up watching this what do your kids have my kids don't really watch anything like that that's that's something i like to th- always think about and talk about maybe way too much in that when i was a kid i watched what was on so i watched a lot of stuff that was really inappropriate for an eight or nine year old and now my kids have an abundance of choice and they just go on Netflix. They have a kid account where, unlike YouTube kids, I trust Netflix to pretty <laughs> much put decent things on the kid's account, especially if you make it for small children. It, it's really good. And they have stuff that's totally interesting to them. Whereas when I was a kid, it's like, what's on? Like, oh, it's seven o'clock. MASH is on. I guess I'll watch that. With a theme song, Suicide is Painless. Perfect. Yeah, perfect for a child. I'd watch that. Then Taxi was on which thinking of it, it's a six-year-old has no interest in that. It's so boring for, for somebody that age, but I watched it. Anyway. Don't you dare talk about Danny DeVito in that way. Well, it, look, it's a, I like Cat Taxi now, now that I think of it, it was a good show. But when I was a kid, I was just watching it because there was nothing else on. We had like 10 channels. And I always tell my kids, they're so lucky. I feel like an old man. It's like when I was a kid too, it's like back in my day, we played with a rock and sticks, but my dad actually played with a rock and sticks because they didn't have anything. I tell my kids, like when I was a kid, we had to get up to change the channel and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. We had to get up to flip the record over and put the needle down and listen to the music that way. 
I can hear your, I know that you use a pretty good microphone for podcasting, but I can hear your bones creak sometimes as we discuss things. <laughs> Great. Um, in speaking about things that kids should and shouldn't watch, that kind of leads us into the main part of the paranormal section of this evening. So while I was away, you had a chance to watch The Conjuring 2, which was I, presumably on Netflix. Like you didn't go out of your way to rent this, right? I did not go out of my way to rent this. And I was thinking, what can we talk about on this week's podcast? And initially, I was going to say, well, let's talk about Ed and Lorraine Warren, because we haven't really talked about them too much. If we've mentioned them, it's only been in passing. And I wanted to kind of talk about how I have always thought they were kind of like frauds. I don't want to get any hate mail for that, but I've always thought of them as being uh, people that embellished everything they had happened to them. And uh, that's what I wanted to talk about. But then... I said, oh, what's The Conjuring? Because I, I did like The Conjuring. It was... Uh, the first it, one was really good. It's yeah. a really well done movie. Really scary, but except the, the part where they say it's based on true events. I mean, I guess it's based on true events, but it's based on people uh, lying about those true events. It's the, like the, the, that stuff didn't happen as portrayed in the movie. Do you remember that movie, The Fourth Kind with Mila Jovovich that came out maybe yes. 10 years ago? Yeah. yeah Owls so that, everywhere. Uh, Exactly. Uh, firstly, uh, owls are super scary, but um, the really interesting thing is that it was also "quote unquote" based on a true story, right? But it clearly wasn't. Oh, that was based on a true story. Well, they started claiming that at the outset, right? Did it have anything to do with Mike Clellan? No. Okay, because he's he's known for seeing for talking about owls and stuff in his abduction scenarios. I don't I I, I don't remember like all the particulars of the movie, but I do, I don't feel like he was in on that. I, I would remember that as well because I did watch it and I remember being scared by it because that that is a scary movie. And uh, I will say I think I found The Conjuring one more scary than The Conjuring two. I feel like the first one was more effective, right? Like it was this haunted house story. A lot of the camera work was like really amazing. So in terms of like actual movie properties, um, one of the best horror movies from a major studio in the last like 10 years, I'd say the sequel, which I saw last year, not so much. Oh, so you did see the conjuring too. Yeah. So I saw that, uh, probably around this time last year, maybe April, 2017. So yeah, it's, I'm a little bit rusty about the particulars, but I remember kind of the overall, uh, narrative arc as well as, um, a lot of the particular shots. And it was fine as a horror movie. It wasn't terrible. No, I mean, it was like, it, it's execution was great. I, Patrick I think Wilson is you great. Have, yeah. I think you and I have more, um, issues with the material itself rather than the execution of it. Well, yeah, because you can't say it's 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 really not based that much on the Enfield Poltergeist, which so that's so I went in knowing nothing about the Conjuring two. I had no idea what happened. I didn't know it was taking going to take place in London. I knew nothing of that. Okay, I went in totally fresh, and then when it started, I see the the windows of the Amityville house. I'm like, oh, really? It's going to be about the Amityville, and it's I know Amityville is a proven hoax, and they're going to try and say this is a real thing. And it, it was about Anna Medieval for about, what, five minutes? And they also yeah. tried to pass it yeah. off as a real thing, like with her seeing that spirit and all that stuff. But it's, Amityville's garbage, right? Like, we know it's totally a hoax. Yeah, and I mean, like, the, it has been debunked, you know, here and back multiple times over the last uh, couple of decades. And this is where I begin to have my troubles with the Warrens, in that they've maintained that Amityville was a real thing. Which is problematic. Yes, exactly. And I had never heard about the story in The Conjuring 1. And I will say there was one particularly scary scene where I believe the mother is sitting in the stairs going down to the basement or something. And then something appears behind her. That is really frightening. Yeah, I agree. That's a good scene. Anyway, that this movie did not have anything that particularly frightening. And then we see they cut to England and I realized, oh, it's about my favorite hoax of a poltergeist case, which is the Enfield poltergeist. And I, I'm calling it out right now. I think it's a deliberate hoax. Most poltergeists, 
always go around children. And if there's something we know about kids is like they like to have fun and they like to make things up and they will lie and lie and lie about it. I mean, look at your son, right? Like the idea of him seeing someone in the moon, for example. Exactly. He's he's a little kid, though. He's, it's not like he's making it up. It's something no, he No, it's imagined. not malicious. What I'm saying is that he just, he also imagined it. Yeah, I know. I didn't think you were being malicious, Brian. You love yeah, my little no, guy. Yeah. Have you even met him? <laughs> your kid's a real liar. You, haven't, you actually haven't? Yeah. <laughs> I haven't. No, I haven't met Nolan. Uh, the last time we recorded together at your place, he was already asleep. Yeah. Uh, you met Cassandra once going, I'm naming my kids on, on the air. Who cares? Um, but you've, you've talked about them. Yeah. I don't think I mentioned their names before. Anyway, yeah, it doesn't yeah. really matter. I don't really care. Uh, what are you going to do with their names? If you want to go ahead and at us uh, on Twitter and let us know the last time that Angela mentioned his children by name, you can do so at double underscore density, plug, plug, plug. Okay. And my cat's name is Lollipop. Kids make things up. Sorry uh, to get back on track. Kids make things up. They have active imaginations. Um, poltergeists tend to quote unquote target these kids um, due to the fact that I guess they're like they're fresher conduits or whatever. Yeah. And in this case, it was a single mom who had just recently been divorced. So there's a stressor. Four kids. In real life, I think one of the kids was not living in the house with them. He, he was away at boarding school. But in the home, there was an 11-year-old girl, a 14-year-old girl, and I think a seven-year-old boy. And most of the activity centered around the girls, with most of that being centered on the 11-year-old girl, Janet. Hodgson. Yeah, so Janet Hodgson. I think, well, I pretty much know at this point it's it's craving of attention from children. That's what it was. Especially at that age, things are going on. I know my my girl's changing in terms of she's nine years old and already acting like a teenager where she's very opinionated in certain things and gets upset. And this is probably what happened in this case. The people looking at it, following it, the investigators were kind of more biased towards proving that there was a poltergeist because you think they want to be told they've been fooled by a particularly clever 11-year-old girl? Yeah, no, that's that's not good for the headlines. Now, the thing with The Conjuring 2 is once I looked into it, I didn't realize I'd never really heard the Warrens being mentioned with Enfield. But then I also had heard uh, James Randi being mentioned with that, and that was wrong too. I, I don't remember which case he followed, but it wasn't the Enfield poltergeist. They really weren't that involved with it anywhere near as much as in the movie where like they're the heroes of the whole story and that didn't happen in real life. Now, can we be spoiling the movie, I guess? Because it's, I don't know. I think it's a personal, let's, let's put in a spoiler tag right about here Yeah, and then we can get into it a little bit more because I have some thoughts, you have some thoughts, so let's do this. There's not much to spoil. I mean, if you read the story of the Enfield Poltergeist, you kind of know the story of the, the movie. But in the movie, there's other stuff going on with, uh, with demons. And that's one thing about Ed Warren especially, is that he would take, uh, Joel Nichols said this about him. Joel Nichols, a well-known skeptic, a uh, really good one too, uh, who follows things through and isn't just quick to throw things away. That's, that's, it's not like it's his, it's like a hobby of his. It's like his day job. To well, when you say paycheck, before I forget though, like how does a like how does a skeptic earn their pay? I think he writes for Skeptic Magazine. He writes books. Okay, he okay. he's a part of um, what's it called CSI or whatever that skeptic uh, organization. Okay, because I picture like I don't know if you know this, but like um, when really famous people do walks through nightclubs, like especially like really popping rappers, they get paid for like walk on appearances. So I, I almost imagine it like he gets like you know like like five hundred bucks to walk into like a convention or something for like a half hour and like walk out. Well, probably uh, it's the Center for Skeptical Inquiry is what I was thinking of, by the way. CSI. Okay. Anyways, to get back to the topic at hand, so Ed Warren, uh, demons, upside down crosses that weren't actually there, um, but were de uh, depicted in the movie. Yeah, and he would often say 
uh, a haunting would turn into like a, a demonic possession in his mind. Like that's what it was. It was always from one thing to another, very quickly escalates to demons. And I do believe they were very religious, the Warrens. Uh, Lorraine is still alive. Uh, at, she's like 96 or something at this point. Yeah. Um, she was born in 25 or 26. Yeah. And she is very much uh, of the opinion that she's psychic and a clairvoyant. All this stuff plays out in the movie. And the thing is, in real life, these girls really were trying to fool people. And it's an interesting story. It's fun to think about it. And at one point in the movie, they actually uh, talk about how she was caught faking things because she was caught faking things a few times, throwing things when she was caught. And that's the thing. The times when they think, oh, she wasn't faking it. No, she just wasn't caught. Yeah. I mean, so there's that super iconic photo of Janet, uh, quote unquote, levitating, right? And uh, so you, uh, it wouldn't link to this in the show notes, but you sent over a really interesting website called historyvershollywood.com that uh, once we finish recording this, I'm definitely going to spend some time on. Um, but they sort of look at, through the filmic qualities of the film and sort of like look through what, uh, how faithfully it was depicted, like where the differences were. So one of the things is this levitation picture. And uh, it actually shows a bunch of a series of photos that show her clearly jumping off a of bed. That's the thing. How can anybody in their right mind see that picture and say, oh my God, she's levitating? No, she's jumping off her bed. It's One of my favorite clear. things, though, is if you look at the other bed with the other kids, what are the faces that they're making? I don't understand these faces. Yeah, it's, it's almost like, hey, jump, don't jump off your bed, is what the face yeah. is. <laughs> Mom's going to come and really scream at you after you broke everything in the house anyway. Yeah, and I feel like they do a really good depiction of sort of like... um. Uh, kind of deconstructing what's going on in the movie versus real life. So, you know, one of the things that they do address is uh, the level of involvement that Ed and uh, Lorraine really had in the case, right? So in real life, it was much more minor than what was depicted in the film. Well, apparently they weren't even, they didn't even want them there. No, and that, yeah, that's exactly it, right? So like it goes from that. And I mean, like that's kind of like the liberties you take when you make a movie and you're trying to build a franchise. Speaking of the movie, one of my favorite parts of the movie was a total non sequitur where they bring in video equipment and you see Ed Warren pick up this giant camera. Like it's like as if it's this heavy and he's holding it on his shoulder, like it's weighing a ton. It's like, this thing is amazing. It's so light and small. Right. It's kind of like a, that weird nod that people want to do uh, towards uh, the modern audience in a lot, of, a lot of these like period pieces that you'll see, like comments about uh, knowing what the future's like. Yeah, well, I mean, Mad Men made its name because of that. Not it, it was a great show anyway, but it's just a lot of people gravitated towards it because you would see the fun stuff that you would never see anymore. Like, for example, when the little kid's running around playing with the dry cleaning bag yeah, and uh, the mother gets super mad at him, not because he's playing with a plastic bag over his head, but because he's wrinkling her clothes. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. Um, so I found that the the history versus Hollywood website did a really good job of sort of going in deep into you know a lot of that uh, did occur, and I did not know this, uh, and I didn't realize this until I was reading this. But the upside down crosses um, scene actually never really happened, but it was done um, in the film as sort of like a sort of like a, a showstopper kind of crux moment um, in the film. They wanted to make it a demonic possession again, the whole demon thing. So one thing about the movie that I couldn't stop thinking about. I don't know if you remember this, the chair that she would sit in. Yeah, the one that the guy died in. Okay, the wall behind that chair was completely covered in mold or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, like, how do you live in this house? Or I mean, you live where you can, right? I guess, but it was like, paint your wall, do something. The house, like, sh was not livable, even with or without a demon in it. 
It so was, are you? So let me just quickly backtrack here. Um, is this an alternate explanation of uh, sickness, mental sickness caused by mold? I don't know if the actual house was like that gross looking, but you agree. No, but that. I'm just saying like we're, if we're here sitting here imagining things and sort of talking about uh, alternate uh, possibilities um, that aren't uh, demons and poltergeists, then, you know, mold's a good one. Maybe. I don't think that's ever been thought of though. So I, and, and it's possible the house didn't look like that. Uh, the other thing is like when uh, Ed was going around fixing everything in their house. That was, this is very strange how they made the Warrens like superheroes in this like movie. This, in terms like of, the surrogate family almost. Yeah. He went around fixing things. He was fixed. He fixed the stove. He fixed the, he fixed the, uh, the sink. He's like, let me go fix your washer. There's no men in her life in the, in the, in the mother's life. Right. So she needs this male force. Yeah, I guess. And then, I mean, I, I say like needs in a way that like, you know, like, um, uh, heteronormative movies think that you uh, need that kind of thing right i know what you mean yeah exactly because in in my house it's my wife who does a lot of stuff too like she she uh she's taking care of the pool right like she took care of the pool got it started and all that stuff i'm not good at that i'll i'll do other stuff like we in my house it's very much a team right so there's not like, like ed that. and lauren warren a team yeah i guess except we're not yeah. psychic <laughs> demon fighters have you asked your wife this though? Have you like point blank asked your wife, do you actually think that you can talk demons down? I've never asked her that, but I don't think she really believes in that. So I don't think she's worried. Okay. One of the things that made me laugh though was when, when he was on this spree of fixing thing as everything in the house, they said, oh, let's go fix your washer in the basement. He's like, oh, the basement's pretty bad. The basement was flooded completely. Like how, again. Yeah. yeah. And how, there's a whole scene later on where like they're in the basement and it's like, super dangerous and the house is collapsing like in my basement if i see like something off by a bit i freak out and i fix it it's it's just weird that i would like i wouldn't tolerate like a drip of water in my basement the entire basement's flooded there i guess it's different i don't know it just kind of freaked me out that the house looked more dangerous than any poltergeist that could live in there so the true horror comes from house maintenance not uh, paranormal activity. Yeah, seriously, the okay. house should look looked like it should have been condemned. One of the more interesting fa- uh, sort of parts of the movie is that um the poltergeist seem to be enamored with the idea of periods, right? So the idea of menstrual blood, etc. And it's kind of it leads credence to your suggestion or your theory like this was a hoax due to the fact that like Kids at that age, when they hit puberty, have a ton of questions about that kind of thing. And I feel like it's only natural, I guess, um, that you'd channel a poltergeist in order to get your hormonal questions answered. That makes total sense, along with the fact that the the ghost of the 70-something-year-old man had the vocabulary of an 11-year-old girl. Yeah. Again, she was very clever. Like, that's something that's been said about her, is that she was really smart about how she dealt with things and made things kind of go her way on purpose to have people believe in her. Like the whole thing where like, okay, turn around while I, I channel this voice or yeah, whatever. Like no one's ever seen it. It it really, look, there was, there was definitely no poltergeist there. One of the things that I can't remember which article it was that I read, uh, it ended with saying that uh, poltergeist seems to be, seem to be very rare in homes of non-believers and atheists. Yeah. I think that's a fair assessment. Yes, like if you don't believe in poltergeists, they're not going to be in your house because you typically have to believe in that for your house to be haunted in one way or another. So that's a really interesting point, though. Let's just go down this rabbit hole a bit. Like the idea that um, spirits only uh, bother you in the way that your theistic beliefs dictate they do. Yes, because a haunting is basically you projecting whatever frightens you the most 
into what's going on in the house. So the idea that uh, a poltergeist would uh, come after a religious family doesn't make total sense uh, in this context. I don't actually know if they were religious, though. Like, in this case, they weren't religious. I think it was more uh, a hoax completely, like, and the people that were religious near them. Imbued that. Exactly. Yeah, right. I definitely do believe that that um, is much closer to the truth um, than the movie would lead you to believe. But I mean, like the movie sensationalizes things. That's a, a movie's job, right? So exactly, and the movie was fun. That that I won't I won't give I won't take that away from it. It was a fun, stupid, poor movie. Uh, and again, Patrick Wilson, really great. Our friend from Fargo, I really much enjoy that man. Uh, yeah, but uh, he's I, way I, better looking than the true Ed Warren, though. Yeah, that was the next point I was going to make. Is that at, at this point in their lives, they were a little bit older, right? So in theory, they must have been in their seventy in their fifties at that point when they hit this case. Um, if they were born in twenty five and twenty six, yes. right? So uh, the idea there that that um, Hollywoodification, I guess, of uh, of real life characters. Yeah. Anyway, I like the movie. Is sort of not as good as the first one. Still fun to watch, and I. Uh, I wonder if any like of our friends that really uh, believe in uh, spirits and stuff like that, what they think of our comments tonight. It'd be great to hear from you. Uh, hopefully you don't turn off the show because we were so skeptical tonight. But anyway, if you're listening to this show, you know we're total, like especially me, I'm a complete skeptic when it comes to the paranormal. I just think it's fun to talk about and it's interesting to know what's actually going on with it and why people right. believe the things right. they believe in. As always, you can go ahead and leave us your comments over on Twitter, double underscore density. We'd love to hear your thoughts on The Warrens or on The Conjuring. Or if you want to talk about horror movies, I'm way into them. Angelo, Very less much. so, but we'll watch them. Uh, you can also hit us up on Facebook, facebook.com slash double density podcast. Same thing over on Instagram. And you can visit our website at double density.net. Click on the contact tab in order to let us know what you think. If not, you know, you can always find all the different ways in which you can subscribe to our podcast on the main page too and with that angela we are wrapping up episode 57 of the double density podcast tune in next week as we take a guided through the island of dr moreau including an exclusive sit down with a number of the beast folk oh we get angelo i will <laughs> yes and rap virtual by the way angelo i will see you next week hopefully nothing flies around oh before i forgot i we didn't even talk about how the police woman claimed that she saw a chair move Oh yeah. Oh well. <laughs> Whatever. We'll throw it out there as a as a sort of like a one off. But yeah, that that was a lie. That was clearly a lie. Um, but yeah. Anyways, uh, with that in mind, <laughs> I will see you next week. Hopefully, nothing in your house moves it unless you want it to. It won't. And if it does, I'll call the police. Good call. On the police. See ya. See ya. Oh, you! I, I thought you were going to go on. Yes, it, it, it is indeed your. I don't. It is indeed your password manager. Sure, just say right, right. <laughs> like, like a dog here. Yeah. It's like a, I'm on command. Yes. All right. Ruff. Right. <laughs> Laurel, Laurel. <laughs>